Hello everyone, this is a podcast 17 of uh, Codiran's Talk and we have with us today... Uh, hi, I'm Steve, uh, Steve Lidford, I'm Head of Professional Services for Codiran's in the UK. Hello, I'm Ashok Bader, I'm one of the co-founders of Codiran's. And hi, hello, I'm Sandro, uh, one of the co-founders of Codiran's. Today we are going to be talking about Codiran's itself. Uh, so as, that's why we have a... Uh, uh, both uh, of the co-founders and Steve, which uh, it was one of the initial employees, number five, I something like that. Yeah. Okay. Something like that. Okay. So, first uh, question: How do you know each other? So, um, I joined a company called Valtech that was back in two thousand and six, uh, and the first project that I had in there, Mash was the project leader. So I worked under him in that project, and that's how we met. Right. Yeah, I, I remember the first day. I actually very vividly remember coming from up north. I just finished a project, and I was asked to come join this project. I think it was for Yellow Pages, isn't it? That was Valtech. yes, exactly. And I saw this young-looking guy sitting <laughs> on the side of the corner, looking very intense. <laughs> <laughs> And I was told that's one of the people that you'll be working with. <laughs> but I remember that quite vividly, actually. I probably don't remember these. But yeah, it was a, it was a good project to uh, to start with. We used to travel to Reading a lot. Yeah. Most of it was done there, and then team was kind of half based in Reading, half in in uh, Barbican. Yes. The Barbican office. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so Baltic is uh, located in London, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what have you been doing before? So myself, I mean, at Baltic or before Baltic? Oh, before. Um, uh, so it was a uh, quite a quite a journey actually, because um, I'd been working for uh, when I first left. Uh, f- my first ever job with I- in software development was for a company called Common Purpose, mm-hmm. and I it was a charity, but we. We were given some money through the Millennium Experience Commission, which is uh, kind of lottery funded, basically, to encourage active citizenship. So we built this website. So I, I did that for a couple of years. It was a team of four, but it was one of the best uh, learning experiences for me. And then at that time, I decided that actually I wanted to live back up north mm-hmm. uh, in Manchester, in fact. So I joined, um, so I was looking for, for companies in Manchester and Valtech, so I joined Valtech Manchester. Okay. Um, and when they asked me, why are you li- leaving your current work? I said, well, I want to move to Manchester. They said, okay, yeah. My first ever uh, posting at a client was in Honslow in, <laughs> back in <laughs> London. <laughs> so I actually never got to work in Manchester. <laughs> Okay, so I started my career in Brazil. Um, so I was there for eight years before I moved over. And while I was there, I worked for product companies, consultancies, large organizations. So when I came over in 2004, uh, I could not speak English very well. So I could not get a job in a consultancy and I joined a product company. And then later on in 2006, as I mentioned, uh, I joined Valtech finally. Uh, that is a consultancy, that's mm. where I normally prefer to work and I met Mesh and during that time uh, I also had a a small startup I tried a a product thing that Mesh even helped me a bit with it didn't work at all (laughs) then Mesh went to UBS and he invited me to to go with him 
after uh, some months. So I joined him at UBS as well. And then I, and we stayed there for almost three years and then we started Kojunas afterwards. Mm -hmm. well, uh, Steve, do you know them from before joining Kojunas? From the London Software Craftsman community a little bit before okay. I joined Kojunas. Okay, so there's a point that I know uh, from Tantanic is mentioned when we talk about uh, uh, Codurans. And what is the relationship with the LSCC? Ah, so basically in around, so the software craftsmanship movement started in Chicago in end of 2008. Yeah. So in 2009, uh, some people in the UK were involved with that idea or they liked that mm -hmm. idea. And, uh, and I got to, to, to learn about uh, software craftsmanship as well. And I was also following the work from uh, Bob Martin and a few other people. So when I was at Biotech, that was 2010, uh, we, I spoke to Mash and a few other people and we decided to start a community. And there was another guy called Dave Green that was a very good friend of mine mm -hmm. uh, that I worked before Biotech and we started the the craftsmanship community and the community for the first year in 2010 was hosted by Valtech because that's what I was working for yeah. and MASH was there uh, since day one uh, to, to start a community as well. So that mentality that we had in the, the craftsmanship community, we wanted to have that at work as well. So mm -hmm. gradually all the people that joined the community and ourselves we wanted to bring that mindset to the work that we were doing. And when we started Cogenus, and that was three years later in 2013, Cogenus was born with the same mentality because mm -hmm. Mesh and I were, well, some of the, the founders of the, Cogenus, the, 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 the community. So most of the mindsets uh, just uh, came to Cogenus as well. We, we were actually quite keen to take the, that culture of learning. And also it was a very friendly atmosphere. Um, and there were some really good people and we thought wouldn't it be lovely to work with these people in a in a company right during our during their time not just in the evenings when we are coding we were and at the time it was one of our biggest um, uh, kind of points that we want to create um, a community inside a company and that's uh, so it has a it had a massive effect on us in, in the way that we we yeah. actually started coding. Most of our uh, first employees or the people that joined us at the beginning they came from uh, the community, including mm. Steve. Mm. Okay, uh, how did you learn about the community? Uh, I learned it through a guy. So I was working for a different consultancy company, uh, and I was on a gig there, and I met um, uh, there. I met Pedro who was already an active member of the community. Mm -hmm. um, and he invited me along to a few meetings um, uh, to come along and, uh, and find out. So I knew about software craftsmanship before, but I, but I was working outside of London then, um, out in uh, Reading. So I, had, I wasn't coming in a lot for, for communities in London, um, but I came in with him a, a few evenings and, and that's where I met these guys. Okay, so you, you have created uh, Codunas because you wanted to, to uh, have that same sense of community and and the ideals of, of craftsmanship, correct? Is there anything else that you want to accomplish with with uh, with Codinas? So, so those are some reasons to want to create a company, but I mean, uh, Codinas has been going for around six years already. Mm -hmm. Is still the, that part of what you want to do? Is that, Are there other objectives that you have in terms of what you want to accomplish with Codinas? I mean, it's, it's evolving. 
and our vision evolves with with Codurance. Uh, when we started Codurance, we had we didn't have very lofty goals. We just wanted to create something where we are really comfortable working, and we want like-minded people to come and work. And I think that still runs through through our what we are trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. But our vision has evolved since then. I think it's fair to say we are now much bigger, and we realize that actually we can have a much better impact or much bigger impact within the IT industry. Mm -hmm. um, our vision has become, I don't think it has changed, I think it's become more refined in the sense that we, we now want to be, to, to be known as, as the people who build software well. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about building software well, we talk about all aspects of so building software. So not just the coding aspects, but every other thing in, 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 that goes along with, with building software, that, whether that is process, people, product management, product strategy, uh, automation, you know, coding itself, technology, all these aspects come together to build quality software. And we want to be known as people who do it really well. We want to be a household name in that area. And that's our vision, I guess. Yeah, and I, th I think that uh, when we started the community, this was our spare time. Mm -hmm. uh, we did that uh, outside working hours uh, with our own, well, we, we pay the community the, the fees with, with mm -hmm. our own uh, money and everything else. We did that for pure passion for our profession. And we wanted to change. We want to change our industry. So the goal of the community was to bring professionalism to our industry. We wanted to, 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 to create a movement that we would uh, change the software industry for the better, at least according to our view of, of, of our so the software industry. Mm -hmm. So it took three years for us to start a company. So we, we, we didn't have a company in mind when we started the, 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 the community. And then we realized that uh, a few years later that there was an opportunity for Mesh and I to, to start a company. We wanted to start a company together and, and then there was an opportunity for us to do so. We realized that we could do even more because we, doing through the community, there is just as much as you can do. So mm -hmm. you do that in, a, in your spare time. You do yeah. that when, when you find some time. With no backing, you, you are almost like... Uh, well, not begging, that, that's a choice strong word, but you're always like asking companies to support you, but mm -hmm. you don't control those companies. Yeah. Right? So, so you need to find a way for them to benefit so that they can give the support. But, uh, so when we had our own company, so one of the reasons of having our own company, we could not only create a place where we want to belong, mm -hmm. create a place, because Mesh and I had worked in the industry for many, many years before we started Cojudas. Yeah. And we wanted to change the industry so creating a company would combine those two things. So one is creating a place that we want to belong, a place that we, we can look back at all our years and say, look, there are many things that we liked in companies that we worked and things that we didn't like. Mm -hmm. So if we have our own company, we will have a little bit more control of how the company is going to be organized. So we can maximize the things that we like and minimize the things that we don't like. Um, and on top of that, because we are in control of the company, we can use our own company to also keep uh, moving the industry forward and pushing the values that we have. And I think that Codurance uh, encompassed that. It, it, so 
this kind of spirit or we still have the 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 we still want you to move the industry forward so this is one of the main focus with the company yeah i think that the community thing's still there right so we put a lot of effort still into lscc mm-hmm. we we because we're now a company we 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 sponsor and support a lot of other communities around around london around the world um Sandra talks a lot of communities every every year, um, and and you know we run conferences and, and that kind of stuff. So that that community is still there, uh, but uh, doubly so because it's so strong inside Codron. So we have our own communities inside here. Um, we run our own um, kind of uh, open space events, um, our own um, internal meetups. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it really, really still is is there, and and uh, it hasn't gone away just because it's a company. It's just got mm-hmm. got stronger and more formal. In fact, in fact, the way we do a lot of things is almost kind of community driven, you know, mm-hmm. the way we often people, uh, a lot of the ma- aspects of a consultancy are run in a very central way mm-hmm. and, and we are decentralized to an extent because we, we want to, to do things almost in a peer based or community based way and that has actually permeated through how we, we work as a company. Yeah, there is another thing that I'd like to add. It's very easy to look back and then blame uh, our ex-managers or blame our uh, companies for the way that they were run. Um, And that's what a lot of people do, right? So so they blame the world for Mm. the things that they don't like. So when we we looked at our, our our industry, there were things that we didn't like or things that we thought it could be better. Yeah. So then we, we said like, well, one option is to complain about the industry. Another option is to do something about. So that's when, that's when we started the community. So that was our way to say, you know what, let's trigger the change ourselves. Mm-hmm. Kojunas was no different. When we started the company, then we had to put the money where our mouth is. So, <laughs> so then we had to say, okay, so now, so we cannot blame our managers. Now we cannot blame anyone outside this company, right? Everything that goes, Wrong with this company is our fault, period, right? If people are unhappy, it's our fault. If, if clients are unhappy, it's our fault. So how can we create an environment to balance the ideology with the reality of business in the private sector? Because hmm. this, is, this is another thing that I see a lot, that people complain about the world being very idealistic, but can they do something about themselves or they will be asking other people to do. Hmm. And I think that Kojunas, we, we need to balance that every, all the time, right? So we are running a business, there are families that depend on us to be paid every month, but we still have an ideology that we want to make things better. Hmm. So we, what, one of the objectives that we have with, with the company is, can we create a great company and it still hmm. be a good business or not only just focus on ideal ideology hmm. but also run a successful business and, and and make the change that we want to make and this for me has been one of the most exciting things about Kojunas so far you have mentioned a decentralized company mass what do you mean by that so I, I think it's about decentralized decision making right so the way we um, I think you you wrote the blog, <laughs> the way we do our uh, peer reviews, uh, salary reviews, and also coming soon, we'll also be looking at how people are promoted in terms mm. of seniority levels. Um, they are they are done at, uh, so we started in a centralized way and it didn't really fit our culture. Yeah. And we moved it into a decentralized way now where 
the person asking for the review picks the, the people or with the, with the help of a sponsor picks the people that will review them and that decision is made by them. Hmm. Uh, the Initiative Circle is also another blog that you wrote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, is, is also a decentralized way of, of changing the direction of the company, hmm. whether that is as small as, uh, I don't know, um, you know, gym benefit for people or um, as large as opening a new office, right? So, and all those things, they also allow us to work within the company as peers. Yeah. In the sense that, you know, if Sandro and I or anybody else or Steve even or whoever wants to make change happen in the company, that we gather together a circle of people and it doesn't matter who they are or what, what the roles they're performing. It's mm -hmm. just a bunch of people that, that feel passionately about something and then they get to do, um, they get to change the company in, in that direction. And yeah. I think this this is what I mean by decentralized, that there is no central authority um, that is making all the decisions. Of course, there are certain gates um, in terms of ensuring that we are not putting the company in undue risk, but the actual decisions are initiated um, and refined in a decentralized way. You know, a lot of people I speak to, when I speak to people about this, um, um, speak to, to clients or just, just other people I speak to, a lot of them, one of the first reactions is, is like, oh my God, that's brave. That is so brave <laughs> to be able to do that. And, but I don't see it, I don't see that. I don't see it as being brave. I see it as, um, as being, um, it would be, it would be naive at best, arrogant at worst to think that two, three, four of us are gonna mm. sit in the center of the company and, and have all the best ideas and all, you know, be able to implement everything in the, in the best way and mm. have all this energy to do all, this, all these things. When we've got, well, a lot of very, very smart people, super, just as passionate as us about about software craftsmanship, about cojurance, um, and really, really wanting to make uh, some things go forward. And some of the biggest initiatives we've had have come from, not from us. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they come from 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 uh, from within the kind of cojurance internal culture. It's been um, it's been a huge success, uh, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, how do you compare that with the uh, previous places that you have worked on? <laughs> so uh, I think that, um, I guess we, we've talked about this before, but, but with, with a, uh, a traditional consultancy company, right? Um, you, have, you end up with a, a company where all of the people doing the work are out all day, are clients mm. uh, doing their, their consultancy work, working on projects, and the company very quickly becomes run by the backroom staff. Yeah. Um, and so the decisions are out of the hands of the people that are, that are doing the work. The decisions are made by the sales team and the admin team and uh, kind of um, the managers that are kind of back in the office. And, and that's something that we spoke about very early on and wanted to avoid. Um, to the point where actually for the first probably 18 months, we only had software developers. We didn't have anybody else, right? Um, mm -hmm. And it wasn't until we started really feeding the pain <laughs> uh, it was mostly to do with booking Sandro's flights and hotels for his 5,000 5, trips a year. But, the, but the, you know, we, the, the other people came on board to help us yeah. out with that stuff. But um, that's something, and I think this, this kind of initiative circle, the fact that, that it is, the company truly is steered by, um, by everybody within the company, mm. it kind of negates that effect as well. 
And it, it's almost initially we used to think that okay, you know, we bring uh, the the consultants or cross people as we call them in the mm. middle, and then other other people. Uh, uh, others function support because in the because the way we saw the traditional consultancy was that the admin or the sales functions would go become central mm-hmm. and they would effectively drive the strategy of the company so we thought well we want we want the opposite of that right but more and more I actually come to see as not the opposite is not that the opposite is an equal company mm-hmm. so so what we have now is initiative circle for example it's not just the uh, the consultants or craftspeople that join initiative circles. Yeah. It's, it's admins, it's sales people, it's, it's recruiters, it's everybody. Yeah. It's um, and so there is an equality within the company, in the sense that we don't really now no longer think of core and support. We think of people trying to do their job, and they're all equally as important. And the initiative circles are there, um, a mechanism in place for everybody to contribute. Yes, I think that for me, when I compare uh, back to with, with the companies that I worked for, I had quite a few frustrations. Of course, I I worked for I like to think that I worked for very good companies, and, and I actually enjoyed my time in, in most of them. Uh, but there were a few things that I didn't like. So, for example, I never had the full picture. Yeah. So there were many decisions being made that affected me, and I had absolutely no idea why. And when when I was asking those questions. I never, not never, but like often, I didn't feel satisfied with the answer. Mm-hmm. And, and not always I knew if they were telling me the whole story or not. Because information was uh, power in certain organizations. Or there was a, a big segregation of duties and then each person would do their job. And, but those things were affecting me. So for example, and not having visibility of my, my colleagues' uh, salaries, for example, created um, Situations where you you are happy for months and months and months until you figure until you you discover how how much your colleague sitting next to you is 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 earning and then all of a sudden from one day to another you feel uh, how can I say what's the word you, you feel that betrayed be, no not betrayed <laughs> it, it is almost like that uh, they are not being fair to you you feel yes. that they are being treated unfairly and the, the relationship between you and your colleague changes as well. Yeah, right? so, so, so those kind of things. So, for example, I never had the opportunity to choose my own colleagues or to be part of that selection process. All of a sudden, someone would say and say, uh, would come in and say, hey, those are your new colleagues. That's exactly what happened to Mash, right? Right. When you turned up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so he turned up one day and there was this Brazilian guy sitting there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, raving about J2E and all this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 uh, <laughs> but but, but those, those were the things that, that um, sometimes I had to, I, I was asked to stay longer in a project or to do hmm. a thing or, or another thing and I had no clue why and I said, oh, but this doesn't make any sense. So, so I think that those are things that um, Nash and I tried to, to, to solve. So we, we were trying to address a few different uh, issues. One is to remove some of the, the frustrations we had in the past. But another thing is, uh, I'll speak more for myself now. Although I tried once, uh, but I, we never ran a proper company. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So we, we always worked as an employees for for, for for almost two decades before we started Codurance, Right. So most of the time we were reacting. We were reacting to the to what was happening, and, and we were making decisions according to, to the best of our abilities without really knowing hmm. the impact. Uh, 
So one thing that we wanted since day one is so like, how can we uh, not limit the company to our own ignorance? Yeah. Right? So how can we go beyond our own ignorance? And the only way to do that is to start relying on other people. So if you are hiring all those smart people, why would we use them just as developers and not like take pick their brain and say, hey, let's let's run this together. Let, let's let's sit down and talk about the problems, and then maybe collectively we can make better decisions. So this was part of the the the. the so one of the, the people sometimes ask us, but why do you have open salary and open financial? Why did you make the decision so early? One of the main decisions we never made this 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 decision to open salaries or financials because of we want to open salaries and financials that was a means to an end that was never the goal the goal was we wanted our people to help us to run our business to to, to contribute with ideas and for them to be able to contribute with those ideas they would need to have the full visibility or the same visibility that we had so that we could benefit from their minds so that was the real reason that we wanted that and then of course we add to that the whole thing about fairness the whole thing about uh, having everyone uh, included uh, in, in the, hmm. the decision making of the company and everything else but but one of the main things was if we want them to help us to make decisions give them visibility of the, the, the whole yeah. problem Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so, so so far we have talked about three different characteristics: decentralization, fairness, and basically this transparency needed to for the trans, uh, decentralization to work. Is there anything else that is should be part of a or you see as another characteristic of what coherence uh, is or what it needs to be, what it needs to have to actually work? Yes. Uh, the first thing that just came straight to my mind was the culture of learning. Right? It's so important here. It's, it's so heavily emphasised. With the, I was going to call them benefits. I don't really consider them as be as benefits, but mm -hmm. the, but the the ability that our people have to attend conferences, to speak at conferences, mm -hmm. to access to learning materials, training, the internal communities that we support and run, and obviously the support and, uh, of the external communities as well. I've never, never worked at a place that places so much emphasis on that culture of learning. It's mm. the first place I've ever worked, for example, where it's a really valid thing to come to work and read a book, right? If, if, if you're, you know, if you're, if there's things that you need to learn, then, you know, you come to do it. And I think it, it benefits in so, in, in so many ways, right? So we end up with, ex, with extremely skilled people, but it's that everybody enjoys learning. There's not a single person, certainly not here, who doesn't get a real thrill from learning new skills and new, uh, gaining new knowledge. And so you get that kind of enthusiasm and that motivation for people that are learning new things. But of course that comes from the community because that's what the community is all about, right? This is mm. where it started. It was a bunch of people who got together to learn new, learn new things. And so that really, really has deeply ingrained itself in Coachella. So I think that is, that is a fourth item. Okay, any, any more? Uh, is in your mind or no no uh, I don't think so well what do you feel so as a, as a person that joined <laughs> us uh, a few years after we started the company so I'll put that uh, question back to you it will sound more <laughs> genuine I guess <laughs> yeah, okay so interestingly uh, I, I knew Colinas as well because of the LSC I did mm -hmm. uh, uh, come to a few meetings of the LSC I did, did a talk uh, on the LSC before I came to interview. One, uh, of, one of the first LSCC meetings that I ever went to, you gave a talk at. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as it actually happened uh, 
I mean, took me, I knew from, uh, of Codurance because of the LSE, but it took me a while to actually even try to apply to Codurance and it was just, uh, I, I, I never felt like it was good enough mm -hmm. until one, I was trying to move from a company in which I wasn't feeling very happy. And one recruiter told me, come over here and say, okay, let's gonna give it a try. And David told me about the open salaries on, on the call. And that's, uh, I think I didn't mention on the blog, but that's something that I have talked before with uh, other colleagues uh, about it. I think that's, for me, this very important because it provides the, both the, the idea that you want to be transparent and it's not just who do you know, and that is, it will be fair. Whatever happens is going to be fair because everyone can see if someone is being paid more than they should be or less than, mm -hmm. than, than they should exactly. be. And a few, a few times before, I have even asked uh, Steve, uh, is this person the salary that appears over here correct? That, that, looks, yeah. that, that to me looks... Uh, You're right. I've had far more people come to me to say, uh, I don't think somebody else is being paid enough than, than uh, someone coming to me and saying, I don't think I'm being paid enough. Far more times. Yeah. Far more times. So that, that, that for me is one of the most important things that, that, that I saw. The, the other one was, and I didn't realize it, uh, that until I actually started, is that the idea of decentralization, mm -hmm. which I have always tried to do things in other companies before, tried to do changes, mm -hmm. and it's, in most cases, it is <laughs> it's nearly impossible unless you are at the top of the, mm -hmm. of the chain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, over here, well, you know me, I'm running a mock with the, with the IC. <laughs> Taking full advantage of the initial circles here. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, those four points that we have, uh, I think that are more or less what I saw without being specifically say, this is what, we, what the company uh, wants to do. Mm -hmm. It is what I saw as what it was happening within the company, which uh, I, for me was <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> In terms of what, uh, how the company has evolved, you have now six years of experience on your backs. Is there anything that you would do differently from uh, how it started with the knowledge that you have mm -hmm. now? I have a few. One of the, the things, I guess, is at the beginning, I believe that the balance between an ideology and a business was not well balanced. Mm-hmm. So we, we benefited from our reputation and our close network because Mesh and I both work for consultancy companies through the consultancies and through UBS and through the community work. We had a good network. So we didn't need to make a lot of effort to, to get business in the early days. Yeah. Because that part was actually reasonably covered, we were quite idealistic in a way. And that culture created some, for the, 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 the initial group that we had, created this mindset as well. So there was a lot of uh, idealism, but not everyone was worried about the business. Mm -hmm. And this created some, some cultural, uh, not cultural, but created a few problems uh, later on when we tried to scale or to not scale, but to grow the business a bit. Uh, because some people wanted to, to, to remain small or, or they say, I don't want to work on these and that. So the, the business side, at some point, we had to say, look, this is still a business. Mm -hmm. And I think that if I had to go back, this is one of the things that I probably would, I would have set the tone, I would have my mind 
focus more on the business as well. Not, not fully, but I would have balanced that a little bit better. So, for example, we took five years to have a salesperson. Five years, right? So we, we never truly invested in marketing. So the, 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 the actual business aspect, to make sure that we always have work, always interesting work, we took way too long, I guess, to focus on that. Yeah. And that led us to have like some bumpy roads sometimes. Sometimes we have far more work than we could do, but sometimes we didn't have enough. Uh, we didn't have any work, and we had a lot of people available. So I think that that's probably mm -hmm. what I would do differently. I would make sure that that was a good balance between the ideology and running a business. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, uh, there are, we made many mistakes, so I won't make <laughs> any of them because now I'd make some new ones, which I'm <laughs> sure I will moving forward. But uh, <laughs> seriously, I would say, I think that, that I would completely agree with that. O also, the demographic of the company has mm -hmm. changed, mm -hmm. but our operating model hadn't. So we actually, initially we had a, a few people, they were all extremely senior and we only had one way of engaging with the client and they were all engaging at a very uh, individual level with mm -hmm. the clients. Mm -hmm. So we never really had to coordinate our, our own people. And yeah. As we grew, we were providing teams to our clients. We, were, we are running teams in our own offices as well. Uh, we are now we now have people of different levels of seniority as well. Uh, we have people of different levels of maturity in terms of their career, skill sets, and all these things. The variety is much more. So before we could actually kind of get away with you know everyone kind of reinventing, knowing the values, our own values, but everyone kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. We actually suffered from that a little. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In the sense that when the need for coordination came, people were still in the individual mode. Yeah. And not the team mode. And it took us a, wh a while for us mm -hmm. to actually say, okay, now we really need to make it explicit our ways of working. Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't mean that we are now providing a recipe and everyone works like that, but actually adding more, it, it's almost like in the forms of questions, you know, this has this been covered, has this been covered, are these things done and so on. And also we've had to uh, provide roles mm -hmm. uh, and create kind of these uh, roles, uh, responsibility, accountability matrix, so that people, when they are working in team, fully understand who should who is accountable for what yeah. so that things don't get lost in the cracks as it were and I think that is a lesson we learned much later it's one of the lessons of course the other lesson is that you know if you look at it from a black box point of view we have people coming in uh, in terms of uh, capability we are as we are growing and we have uh, opportunities clients coming in in mm -hmm. terms of opportunities right and but we were kind of laughing about that the other day that actually we didn't take care of any of those those two aspects of our business we didn't take care of more clients increasing that through marketing and sales and so on we were naturally organically getting clients but as we grow we need more to sustain ourselves mm -hmm. and also the same goes for recruitment as well and but now we are getting to the point where actually we have those areas covered as well and that's kind of allowing us to now grow in a much more let's say predictable manner mm -hmm. yeah i would like to add uh, a bit uh, to to what mash was saying 
at, at the very beginning, uh, all this freedom and transparency uh, and trusting people to do their work. So all this autonomy that we like to talk about, uh, we gave plenty of that. But one of the failures that we had, we very rarely talked about uh, accountability. Yeah. So people had the autonomy, autonomy to do their jobs, but no one was really accountable for anything. And then they would do their jobs for the best of their abilities. But they have their own preferences, they had their own, uh, they were trying to do their best. But for example, there was no general accountability, mainly for the business or, or someone looking after certain areas. And that's, that's what led us to, to, to at least create a little bit some of the roles and structure our process a little bit uh, more. Uh, one thing that uh, we still haven't, we are still not good at. And, and this is a problem that I, I personally still don't have a, a good solution, is we are very transparent uh, for information, uh, normal information that would not cause harm. Uh, we are also transparent for uh, related to, to people doing good things. Mm -hmm. Praise. But, uh, praises, yeah. yes. So kudos, praises and stuff like that. So we are very transparent on that. But inevitably things go wrong. And Every now and again, a person here or a person there will misbehave, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not intentionally. But those are things that sometimes we don't, we, we, we didn't find a good way to, to, to communicate or address that. And then all of a sudden someone leaves the company and then everyone is asking, wow, but this company, this person was doing so well and now this person is out. Uh, yeah, but there is like one year of issues that we had mm -hmm. that we never exposed to anyone. And those are things that I still don't know exactly. So those are things that we still need to, to change. So how yeah, we do the, think, the whole transparency. And that's what, so sorry. So I was going to say about the, the communication thing which you touched on there. I think that's something we've had to work hard on for the last 18 months, two years. I think as we, we, as we grew to a certain size where it simply wasn't possible for one of you guys to speak to everybody one-to-one -one every month, right? Well, it just, it, it's just impossible now with 80-odd people for you to do that. So I think that's something that we've had to work on hard. And there was a period in that time where perhaps communication wasn't flowing um, as well as it could be. I think we're probably on top of that now, but that was, that was an issue um, at, at some point. I think some of that came down to, I think one, one decision that we did earlier was we decided to not have any policies. Uh, and, we, and that we would introduce policies as we needed. So one of the first policies that we had was around our use of conference days. Uh, we had then we had a policy as people were going out and, and spending time and money with clients. So they, they, it was an expense policy and it grew really, really, really slowly. And what it meant was that we spent a lot of time making the same decision over and over and over again with different people. And, I, and, and what would naturally tend to happen is they would speak to one of the three of us and get perhaps in the same direction, but a slightly different yeah. decision each time. And I think that, so for me, I always saw policy as unnecessary bureaucracy, but now I view policies as kind of encouraging fairness. Mm -hmm. right? uh, and, and I think that, that is, um, that's something that probably, it was, it was a horrible job, uh, creating the staff handbook and things like that. I know it was a horrible job because I had to do it, but uh, <laughs> but we hired in some we hired in some help. Um, but it took a long time, and um, and I think that perhaps we we if if I was going to do this thing again, I would have probably mm -hmm. done that a little uh, bit yeah. earlier. I, yeah. I, I would agree. Uh, so to add to that, as we were growing, uh, as Steve was saying, we didn't really have a much structure, but we also were quite averse to hierarchy. So for us to, to grow the company, grow the number of people, 
we had to introduce a structure, right? So, but introducing a structure doesn't necessarily mean introducing hierarchy. So, so we, 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 we had to evolve our company in a way that we, can, we, are, we are still fighting to minimize hierarchy, but we need to have a structure. Mm-hmm. And this, this is a challenge. This is not an easy thing for us to solve. And I agree 100% with Steve. Like, uh, sometimes creating those policies as you start growing is a way to provide fairness. Is a way to say, like, you know what, those are the rules. If we don't like those rules, we can create initiative circles mm-hmm. uh, in order to change those rules and move forward. But we need to, to start standardizing things because otherwise it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. And it, it's also set certain expectations because it's no good um, not setting the right expectations and then blaming someone for not meeting your implicit ex- expectations, yes. right? And, yeah. yes. and this and or you know once in a while, people people would take fairness uh, if they were the ones interpreting them. They would of course have different in- interpretations. And when yeah. we are looking across them, we think now, oh, but you know, like you being unfair. They say, well, how do I? You have this visibility, or uh, to kind of see what other people are doing as well. I'm kind of working in this area, and my job, day-to-day job, doesn't require me to kind of look across the piece. So I don't know if I'm not being unfair. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm being unfair. So that I think that having those policies mm-hmm. uh, helps, and and evolving them as we go along with initiative circa circles actually helps as well. I think the, the thing around this idea of, you know, we are good at sharing praise and so on. I mean, now we've been trying to, to work on that. We've introduced uh, in praise as well. It's a, a tool for, for feedback, both in terms of reviews and kind of one-to-one feedback and so on. When we actually engage with the in praise company, they also talked about coaching our people so that we can provide feedback. And I think this is an area, to me, the only way we can get better at this is it's a skill. It's yeah. a skill we need to practice. It's a skill we need to be coached and mentored in. And we need to have internal coaches and mentors for it. Impraise actually guides you in, in better ways. For example, you know, it's so simple. I won't even, we used to kept saying negative feedback. Mm-hmm. and. I never really liked the term negative feedback and they call it tip. Yeah. Give someone a tip. Yeah. And I think, you know, already that's actually, you know, it's, it's, so, it's softer. It's the yeah. same thing, but it's yeah. softer, isn't it? That's what we mean. We are, yeah. and it actually sets a direction as well. Negative feedback is not about blame. It's about improvement. No, but there is a visibility of the feedback as well. That's what I said. Like, yeah. for example, if, uh, I don't know, there is one person where their behavior is not, uh, I don't know, so some people have an issue with that, we can speak to the person, mm-hmm. but no one else has that visibility. Yeah. So the person yeah. will have the feedback, which is a good thing, and the person hopefully will improve as it happened many times, but sometimes it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But no one has the feedback, no one has visibility of all the feedback uh, that the person had. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only saw a few kudos here and there, and then all of a sudden the person is not with us anymore, and then everyone was like, what happened? And so, well, there is like a lot of history mm-hmm. in there. I think, yeah, this kind it's of It's a thing, difficult one. Yeah, it's a very difficult a one, and I'm not, I'm not sure it's something we can actually, you can't solve that problem, because like the, the one of the key tenets of 
providing feedback is that if it is, uh, let's say, the person who's receiving the feedback should have the control on whether they want to share it with others mm -hmm. or not, right? And yeah. this is this is a basic tenet. And you should keep, if it is like negative feedback or a tip, it should be kept, the, the circle should be kept as small as possible, yeah, that's right? What we try to do. And, and that's what we try to do. And I think it's a good thing. Yeah. And I think a supporting aspect of, of this is trust, yeah. right? Is that, you know, s s different people in different roles need to make certain decisions and some of them are tough and some of them are not public knowledge, not because you're, um, you're trying to hide things, but actually you're trying to protect somebody. Mm -hmm. Right, and others within the organization would need to trust that this is the case that you're trying to protect somebody. And of course, you can abuse that same excuse. You know, I'm trying to protect you, so I don't give you all the information. I don't know. I'm sure governments do it all the time. But <laughs> but, but you know, there is that balance that has to be kept because I sure. don't see a, an, another. Yeah, no, me neither. As I said, like, I, I don't. Uh, I, oh, sorry. One, one thing. One thing that I was going to uh, just just talk about very briefly on that subject is around the apprenticeship program. Ah, so, um, so the apprentices that we had to start with, I remember we had Toby and Amir when yeah. I joined. Man, that was tough. Yeah, that was really tough. So when we first joined, the apprentices were assigned one on one to a to a craftsman or craftsperson, and. Uh, and so the craftsperson would go out and do their work, but maybe they're a, an investment bank or something like that, and the apprentice couldn't go along. Mm. So they would kind of set some work, set some learning, and then try and check in with them once or twice a week and, 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 and help them to go on. And, and, and it was really tough to be an apprentice. I mean, they, they turned out incredibly well, but it took them a long time, and it was very tough. I think um, probably about two years ago, something like that, Mm -hmm. uh, we made the decision that I guess it was also a function of growth, right? We could afford to have more apprentices. And then, but um, there were more, more evolutions as well. So yeah. it evolved significantly from mm -hmm. the first two to where we are now. So yeah. there were so, a few evolutions. But if you look now, we have cohorts of apprentices. So we have, uh, we run three cohorts a year. Uh, at the moment, we've got about 10 apprentices um, spread across London, Manchester and Barcelona. And they work together as a group when we take a, a senior uh, craftsperson off a project, uh, a specialist, uh, uh, in the, in the subject they're going to cover that week. It's a very, very well um, structured um, curriculum and they, they teach them and they help them and they, and they, they guide them for that week along with, a, with a, an assistant. And it's incredible, absolutely incredible, to the point now where uh, they have such a buzz, they're working well together, they support each other, to the point that if I'm having a bit of a rough day or, or, or uh, you know, I'm lacking a bit of energy, I'll go and come and visit the apprentices room <laughs> because they are buzzing and, and there'll be some code and I won't be, it won't be Outlook and Excel, right? I'll be, <laughs> there'll be some code that I can see, I can help with. Uh, and the, the um, enthusiasm they have is just infectious. Absolutely fantastic. I think this is another um, example where structure helps a bit yeah. because like uh, things that we could do differently, uh, back to the question, we, we hired people, so people would join us and they would immediately be empowered to do things. But there was no structure and not everyone copes well when they join an organization where after years and years being told what to do by their managers and having a very specific thing, a task list that they had to go yeah. through for years and years and years, all of a sudden they are in a company and say, look, we don't have a project immediately for you, so you are on the bench, make yourself useful. <laughs> and yeah. then the person is like, 
how do I do that, right? So, so I think that my, uh, the lack of apprenticeship, that includes the apprenticeship, uh, had these problems. We had apprentices mm -hmm. that remained as an apprentice for a year and a half, right? Today they take maximum six months. Right? Oh, so, uh, but, but normally, generally the, three yeah, to four. the, the yeah. average is about four months. So, so, but that is due to structure. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great program, and the. It's really satisfying now that we have got people that came through the apprenticeship program three, four years ago. Now, a, a, a senior pushing pushing to lead projects, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, massively, uh, massively. Yeah, yeah they, they, it is. It is quite a springboard, isn't it? And I think for the sake of the audience, it's worth noting that actually what we call apprenticeships True. is not really apprenticeships. Um, in fact, it's uh, we we have people with with a few years of experience mm -hmm. more and sometimes even up to like eight, nine years of yeah. already commercial experience. And the idea of our apprenticeship is to give them a solid understanding of agile and XP and craftsmanship software and design. DevOps and those and software design and those kind of things. So that when they go into our teams that they, they are peers to our craftspeople. Yeah, they're not there to, to teach them how to code or anything. Yeah, like exactly. No, this is more about, it's almost yeah. like finishing, isn't it? Yeah, it's polishing. Uh, yeah, yeah, my first apprentice, um, when it was a one-to-one -one thing, she had 10 years experience before yeah. and, and then became an apprentice, you know. So they are they are quite senior people already. Yeah. And, um, and they are paid market rates as well. It's yes. not that, you know, like, they're, in fact, from our point of view, it's one of the most... Um, biggest investment that mm -hmm. we make because we have people that we are paying a full salary to and yeah. not earning anything from them. In fact, putting our senior craftspeople who we're pulling out of projects to actually teach mm -hmm. them. So it's a big, it's a big, big investment. investment. Yeah. It is a big investment, but um, I looked recently down the list of our current craftspeople and uh, it was really thing. satisfying to see how many of them have come through the apprenticeship program. Yeah. yeah, and this is part of making a difference as well, right? Yeah. This is, I mean, if you think about it, what we, you know, these people, they're coming into Codurance, you know, a few years later, they are leaving and they are jo joining other companies in leadership positions. I mean, yeah. people are mm -hmm. in CTO and, um, you know, head of engineering and all sorts of roles yeah. coming yeah. out of our apprenticeship. So I think that's a, that's a good goal. Yeah, yeah. conference <laughs> speakers and things yeah, exactly. like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, I want to pick up now on something. We have been talking about growth and some of the issues and changes that have happened is because the company has been growing. Uh, more or less, I suppose we have done a steady pace. Now, how do you see growth? What should be the growth of a company? Mostly, I'm looking at. We have talked about issues with structure, the structure of the company. We have looked at policies, things like that. But one thing that I have seen before is startups. I've been in a startup that went from 50 to 350 in less than a year, a year, year and a half, or something like that. And my my biggest problem. There were quite a few with the, <laughs> with the company, but one of the biggest, there were two, two problems. One is the culture of the company from before to after, nothing, nothing to do because you cannot just, mm -hmm. well, my view is that you cannot just impart the culture. The, the, other, the other one is that probably, uh, and this one thing that has always bothered me is 
well, when you have to grow that much, anyone, everyone enters into the company. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. So uh, how do you see that? How do you see the this idea of growth? Uh, yes. So there are multiple facets to your question. Mm -hmm. I'll try to address them independently. I'll take first of all the cultural aspect of it. So as you were mentioning, if the company grows too quickly and, and too big, uh, it loses its culture. So how do we try to mitigate that in, in a few different ways? Uh, first of all, hiring. The hiring is also transparent. As we are hiring uh, more people, the, the candidates come, uh, as soon as they, they, there is some screening, it's broadcasted to the whole company that there is another person. <laughs> so then we ask our people to do the interview. So there's not a single person that, that can uh, hire uh, someone without speaking to anyone. So it's open to the entire company and people volunteer to do the interviews. So basically we have our own people guaranteeing the quality of their own peers as we grow. Another thing is apprenticeship. So that's another way that we grow. So our apprenticeships, because they are mentored by our own cross people and they have the program, so they are not only learning the technical skills, but they are learning how coaching operates, what is the expected behavior that they should have. Another thing that we have is the initiative circles. As the company grows, the needs of the company, the collective needs of the company change. Yeah. So what, what Mash and I did uh, earlier on was to create a mechanism in our own process to help the evolution of the company. So as the company changes, the initiative circle is a mechanism to keep evolving our process alongside the needs of the company and our people. So this helps to keep a culture. And then on top of that, we are also evolving like the, the we have the, our open space days, we have like mm -hmm. a, our, uh, our community events, uh, our uh, catch-ups and everything else that, that always keeps that. So that is the cultural aspect. Those are a few ways that we are trying to mitigate that. Uh, then there is another interesting question is, why do we need to grow anyway? Right? So what's the point of growing? And, 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 and so there are a few reasons. One is stability. Growth is not about greed uh, from the founders. It's not about the founders making more money. It's about stabilizing the company. And also uh, catering for the needs of our people. So for example, when you have a small company, there's just as many uh, clients you can satisfy and there's, many, there's just as many positions you can play as a cross person. So if people want variety, but they are working in a small company, there's no variety. There's mm -hmm. nowhere to go. There's no, within a project, the project is too small for them to play different roles. And there's not enough projects for them to change uh, the scenery. So the growth allows us to, just to tackle both. One, we stabilize our business. We have more things going on. So if a project comes to an end, we have others to satisfy. Mm -hmm. Allows us to invest in different places. So the more projects we have, more we can invest in the company and provide a better environment to people, but also provide the variety that people expect when they join a consultancy company. That's one of the main reasons they join is they want to, during that time that they are in that company, they want to experience different projects, different technologies, different contexts. And the only way to do that is with the growth because what you want is, is stable clients. Mm -hmm. So the engagement with each client needs to be bigger. So those are the different uh, reasons 
why we are growing. And then there is a, a, another reason that is the more ideological side and one of the reasons that we started Cojunens. If we really want to make a difference in our industry, we need size. We cannot just go out in conferences and say, hey, we run this amazing company, we are doing all these amazing things, that's how we are building software. And we have five people in the company and we did, we did that in one project for six <laughs> months. Right? So, so if we really want to try out our new techniques to evolve the, the state of our industry, we need to apply that over and over again in different contexts, in different places and stuff. And for that we need size, we need different skills, we need variety yeah. of clients to push the boundaries of our industry. That's, an, that's one of the most, the biggest reasons that we also have for our growth. Mm -hmm. But then, the, so one thing is to want to grow and the other thing is how you grow. So 50 to 350 in the same place mm -hmm. is, what, is what I call breakneck speed. You know, that is, mm -hmm. that's not how you grow. That is, yeah, it's revolution, not evolution, right? Mm -hmm. And so from our point of view, the way we grow, uh, you can't, so the other thing you can't do is to have this Im kind of explicit or implicit pressure to grow. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people hiring are under pressure to hire and suddenly the bug starts getting lower and lower. So our, uh, the, the way we hire through the kind of peer hiring process um, means that people who are hiring are not under pressure to on, under any business pressure to, to, to hire. They are simply looking at people that um, fit the culture or add to the culture that would that have share similar values, mm -hmm. share that thirst for learning, that mm -hmm. internal culture, that they're there to add. Of course, we don't want a kind of a, we don't want to hire the same kind of people that we already have. Of course, having that variety, that diversity is great but also you need to share values, right? And those are the things that you can't compromise on. So, so you grow, but you grow according to, you grow naturally. You don't grow fast or slow, you grow naturally. You grow where, in, you know, if you have 10 people coming through your door and they're all great, you hire them. If, you, if, if six months pass and no one, you haven't found anybody, you kind of keep calm and carry on, you know, and that's how you grow. And also it's about, when people come in that you know you're not overwhelming right so you know if there are four people and six people join you're not gonna that culture is is gonna get blown out of water and the people who join there they may have completely different outlook and so you're not really growing anything you they it's just gonna be a kind of chaos again until it settles and some kind of culture emerges but unless you have really strong values underpinning it, you know, it's anybody's guess what that culture will be. Yeah, and the cool thing is that, like, because we don't have a single person making the hiring decision, our own cross people are volunteering to do the interviews. So if they feel that the, the person is not a good fit, the founders and even Steve, uh, we have nothing to do with that. So, nope. so Mesh and I are rarely involved in an interview today. And Steve normally do, does the final interview uh, with the most senior candidates. That means that uh, if people before getting to Steve, they decided that the candidate was not a good cultural fit to us, doesn't even get to him or to us. Mm -hmm. So, so this is a, a way for us to keep the the, the the bar. And as Mesh said, so because it's it's federated in a way that the the hiring process, there's no there's no one in charge. Like we need 20 people 
by end of the next no, month. No targets, so, I think that's an important Exactly, thing. so we hire people that fit our organization. As far as I know, uh, most of our competitors or companies that are similar to us, consultancy companies, after six years, they would be in hundreds of people. The ones that succeeded, they would be in hundreds of people by now. Mm -hmm. And we are still 70, just over 70. I think the lack of targets is, is important. I mean, because it genuinely still is, uh, and this is impressive really, it genuinely still is um, the case that it, if, you, if you come in and you, you fit our values and you fit our culture and, uh, and you are a really good software developer, <laughs> uh, or whatever your skill is, yeah. you, you will get a job at Cojuris. There's no, there's no target either way, all right? Um, um, but as Mash said, you know, you know, if twenty people turn up for interviews tomorrow and, and, and none of them are very good, even if we had, um, you know, a client that we could, you know, that was that was waiting for us to provide people to, we, we wouldn't hire. No, we wouldn't hire because um, we have a good reputation um, both as a company and as as kind of individuals, uh, and and this is the easiest way to destroy that yeah. and just become another consultancy company is, so, to, is to provide. I think that the worst thing that could happen, at least to me, is own a company that I hate, right? <laughs> so waking up every morning, go to work and say like, look at those people, I don't like them, I don't like those people. And that's a company that I co-founded. So, so how that even makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. so, so I think that this is, this is part of the, the the goals and the original goals. We wanted to create a place where we belong, where we have a group of friends or people that we respect. And and we, you know, of course, we still want to 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 to, to make a, a difference in our industry. And you don't do that with average people. Yeah, no, I think that's important, isn't it? I think that, that, that kind of explains the the growth as well. The fact that that there's no external investment, there's no pressure from shareholders or anything like that to, to grow the company. It's just. This company should be the company we want to come to work at every day. That we get excited about coming to work at every day. That, that and, and and full of people that we would happily join a project with, right? Happily sit down and write some code and, of an evening or a weekend or, or whatever, and and, um, and and work with them on a daily basis. That that's that's the thing that the, drives the growth. Right? It's the, just this, we this found some awesome people. <laughs> yeah. So so Mesh and I never wanted to have investment or. Uh, like make the company public or sell it. So we looked at this as, as a legacy. So, so we can control all the decisions. All the decisions are made internally. We don't need to satisfy anyone outside this company. So this allows us to, to, to build the company that we think we should, we should, be, we should build. Mm -hmm. right? so. yeah. Okay, typical interview question. Where do you see the company in five years time? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So, I, I certainly would not be talking about uh, size. Size, it will be what it will be, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I don't know if it's gonna, so if it will take five years or more or less, but what I would like to see moving forward, regardless of how long it's gonna take, I would like us to be a company that uh, helped our industry to move forward, that people, outside our company, in different countries, would say, oh, you know what, these guys from Cojunis, they so these people from Cojunis are, are really cool, so let's see what they're talking about, let's see what their opinion is about a certain things, or, or 
I don't know, uh, let's see what they're publishing. So this kind of thought leadership, this kind of like, or, or we really, we, we, we think that there are so many things, so many areas that we can improve in our industry. Mm -hmm. and, and I would be really happy if we would be, if we are able to contribute to at least some of those areas. And not only in our industry itself. So when I say industry, there is, there are different side streets as well. There is the way that we build software, but there's also the way that you run a company. And I think that this is one, at least for me, I speak for myself now, I think that changed over the years. So at the beginning, my mindset, because of the whole craftsmanship thing, was always like, how can you build software better? Right? So now it added to it. It didn't replace, it just added. Is how can we create a company that could be a good role model? for other companies. That's really interesting. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, this changed for me. But as Mesh was saying at the beginning, at the beginning we could not even aspire to that because we were just fighting to survive. <laughs> we just yeah. had to, like it was two of us and a few others with no investment, no nothing, just trying to make things work. And now that we are a bit more stable, we can uh, aim for, for, for bigger things. And one of them is, is creating a uh, a company can serve as a, a role model. It's exciting. If you think I joined Cojurance just over five years ago, and we had a four desk uh, serviced mm -hmm, office, mm -hmm. and in fact, Mash went to Ikea and snuck an extra desk in over a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did ask. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and look where we are now. And, and uh, you know, it's five years, and you know, so we're at the halfway point to your, your, your thing, you know, in five years' time. Uh, I, I have no idea what it's going to be, what it's going to be but um, I know it's going to be better than it is today, um, mm. and, and every day is better than it was yesterday, and uh, I'm, I'm along for the ride, and this is it's exciting. Anything else that we want to talk about? Yeah. Anything else? So, so I wanted to ask a question. I don't know the answer oh. to this, and you might have to edit this out. <laughs> it looks like, looks like <laughs> you've you been thinking of this since... No, 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 no it's, not, it's, it's not too bad. But, um, you know, so I, I kind of joined earlier, and it just reminded me, actually, that Sandra was talking. It was um, it was pretty hairy in the first days. I remember mm. going doing jobs that uh, yeah. that were um, in at the deep end is probably mm -hmm. the way. And and some of the jobs we did were we probably wouldn't take on again. Uh, not because they were too difficult for us, but because you know, it wasn't wasn't a good cultural fit or, or whatever. Or perhaps we would want to send individuals out. We had to do so, what we had to do, right, uh, to yeah, survive yeah, yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. So, but now we don't have that problem, right? Now we now it's it's. It's a proper company now, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that we a while ago we talked about the fact that, um, you know, we early on one mistake and it was all gone, right? One big mistake and it was all gone. And now you'd have to try really hard to, to, to destroy mm -hmm. Cotrans, right? So yeah. it's, it's well established. What what point did we reach out? Was there was there like a specific well, point that you can remember? Where you went, oh, do you know what? You know, we're, now now we're now we're safe. Now we're now we're good. No, we no, maybe. I don't maybe think still that we feel, feel this it. way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mesh and I are very good at hiding that, that feeling from everyone else. Yeah, we, we need to learn to celebrate because you know things just happen and you just move on to the next goal, next objective, or the next problem. You know mm -hmm. whatever that is. I don't think even now, if you were to ask, if you were to ask us now what we where we'd like to be to be stable, we'd have a, an objective in mind. And then, in fact, I remember, like, we would have this objective, say, I think if we, we are like 35, we'll be stable. Uh, and we have maybe 
three or four clients, four clients, I think that then we can just kind of take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> and we have twice as much, if not more, and now we're not taking it easy, right? Because <laughs> now I think it's like the, the goalpost is always yeah, moving. Because up, the salary right? goal gets yeah. higher and higher. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. We, are, you know, we, are, we are becoming larger, and the larger you get, the bigger your footprint is. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to kind of... Your, what you need at the basic level grows, I think, is the, you know, it's with, with every company. I was, thinking, I was thinking this earlier, now we spend a lot more time discussing the problems that we said were nice problems to have a few years ago. But they are still problems. Right? Yeah, the yeah, number, yeah, the yeah. numbers are becoming bigger and bigger and yeah. that's quite scary. Uh, mm-hmm. If you just look at the numbers in our payroll and then when you, when you look at the total number that we pay per year and the cost of the offices, we have three offices now. So it, it's, it's quite scary. So I, I, don't, I, I won't speak for you, Mesh, but like, I think that we, we don't have this kind of, we are stable. I think no. we will always be like, uh, yeah, the, the, the pressure becomes bigger, but I think that we are also, one thing that changed is that we can rely on more people, right? So YouTube being examples of that in different ways, uh, but we have, our team is bigger than the two of us. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but you're both still hands-on every day, right? There's, yeah. no, uh, there's no time for rest and relaxation. We, so. we stress less. Yeah, I think I, I think I mean although we are yeah but we're always there is always something and and the variety of things that you have to deal with is immense now yeah. and once in a while you get a bit overwhelmed in fact this morning when I came in uh, I think Luciano sits ne- next to me and he he saw me last week when just there were you know like a perfect storm mm-hmm. of certain things not going my way and I was a like very rarely showed a bit of frustration <laughs> and, and this morning when I came in and just said how are you feeling today have you had a good break have you reset yourself but we are less stressed because before it was existential you know yeah. every risk was existential now yeah. it's not it's it's you know it may give you some things how you may have a setback but at the end of the day, we financially we we are very healthy, yeah. and and that kind of makes you sleep at night. Uh, so you don't you're less stressed, but still a lot to do. And we can we can rely on other people as well. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. like Steve uh, here started with us as a, as a cross person. Today he's the head of professional services for the UK. So so that's a significant growth mm-hmm. uh, in, yeah. in terms of responsibility. For him, but also like a huge help for us, mm-hmm. right? You, Jorge, like running initiative circles, running even this podcast, and taking a lot of the responsibility of our culture and running meetups and stuff like that. So again, contribute. So there are a lot of people now that are contributing to our company in many different ways, yes. way beyond than just doing their jobs with yeah. their clients. Yeah. It's 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 it's. We always said, you know, even when uh, when we used to run a com- community, we were we were actively running it, mm-hmm. and we 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 were really careful not to be the only ones running it mm-hmm. because a community, the surest way to kill a community is to kind of make one or two people just completely active and everyone else is passive. You know, you, people come and go in terms of their energy and you know, you have to have people who are, who are covering, you mm-hmm. know, and you need to have all these different people because uh, yeah, right now I think we couldn't do what we used to do before, which mm-hmm. was involved in everything. 
now it would just kill us or we'll, we'll do a really bad job yeah. not that we didn't do a bad job before <laughs> 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 we can blame someone else <laughs> <laughs> okay uh are we happy then yeah I mean, it's, get, it's getting dark in it we should yeah. switch the lights on before yeah, we start yeah. <laughs> cool okay so thank you everyone uh, uh, for being with us today. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Sandro. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you on the next uh, next podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.